Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, the filmmaker in the DC area, and with me today is only... I am Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. HT is not with us this week. We miss her terribly, but you'll just have to do with Willoughby and I. Yeah. That's how it is. You know, HT lives a busy life. She's off gallivanting in, I think, Toronto? Montreal? Montreal? Yeah, she's in Canada. She's in, she's in the greater north. She is. She's up there with Justin Trudeau, hanging out with the hot prime minister. Probably riding a moose. Who knows? It's fine. You know, I'm not jealous or anything. <laughs> um, well, this week, Willby and I are here to talk about one of our favorite TV shows. Currently on air. Currently on air, but for a while, it's like it wasn't going to be on air anymore. For 31 hours, it was canceled. It was terrifying. And we are, of course, talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nine-Nine! Nine-Nine! This is Mike Schur's cop comedy on Fox. Um, It's the season for shows to get canceled, shows to get renewed. Upfronts are happening, which is basically where all the networks are saying, here's all our new shows coming out in the fall. And so it's very much TV season right now. And... Fox went through their shows and they decided to cancel Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Willoughby, how did you feel when you first heard the news? Well, I was on the Metro going home from a long day of work. And there were a lot of posts that day of people to, of BuzzFeed was like 29 reasons why Brooklyn Nine-Nine needs to be saved from cancellation. Um, a lot of like preemptive, uh, like this is why Brooklyn Nine-Nine is so special posts because it was on the bubble and people weren't sure when these were going to be announced and like the Fox upfronts were happening pretty soon. So like there were a lot of already cancellations and suddenly um, uh, I got the news from my best friend and also my girlfriend like two minutes apart on Facebook Messenger from two different like news sources saying that Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been canceled. And I'm here, I'm on the Metro sitting there and like I can't react to like horrifying news on on like in like a public area because people are gonna be like, "Oh, what's happening?" Especially on a cl- closed train like that. So like I was like <laughs> internalizing everything and being like, "Oh my god, this is the worst! This is the worst!" Like suddenly, like I was retweeting like everyone's anger tweets about how terrible this was. Same day, Rick and Morty was given seventy episodes uh, <sighs> to do for like that the rest rough. of time, and so I. There was a really funny tweet where it was like, Rick and Morty, give your 70 episodes to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, you bitch. And it was <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> people are mad. And I was too. I mean, it, it became, it became like, my timeline became, remember when Vine was announced it was being canceled and then like Ugh, the subsequent like Vine compilations and favorite Vines were being posted and posted and posted. I still um, watch Vine compilations. Oh, on, like, I do basis. too. It, it's a never ending joy. But like there was that fervor, like, the weeks and months after Vine was died, that people were just like having like a eulogy for their best vines. Um, and I feel like that was the case for Brooklyn Nine Nine on my Twitter. Everyone was talking about how great all these characters were and these their favorite scenes, their favorite moments, their favorite gifts. Um, and it became this like rallying. Like I've never seen so many people so angered by a cancellation in a long time. I think it had been like you know like. Everyone's always mad when their favorite show gets canceled, but I feel like because Brooklyn Nine-Nine was so liked by so many millennials and uh, Generation Xers and, like, a lot of people who use the internet, it became, like, the... I could You couldn't not be on Twitter and, and see the, 
the backlash, I guess, to the yeah. The well, wasn't the last big like save was also NBC because didn't they save their own show Timeless? They saved Timeless, but it was like they didn't reveal they had done that for months. Like I think they revealed it at yeah. at, at Comic Con that they like they're like we're bringing back Timeless. Or okay. at the TCAs, or like they had done something to, or it was it had to be Comic Con because they hadn't started filming yet, um, and they brought it back, um, but, and that was NBC saving their own show. This is Fox canceling, yeah. even though we'll get into it. Universal Television owns Brooklyn Nine Nine, but Fox distributes. They sold it yeah. off to Fox to distribute it. We'll talk but about they, the NBC part of it all. Yeah, but so Fox Fox canceled it. The next day, it they, was... they, they revived an ABC show called Last Man Standing, in which Tim Allen tries to be the last conservative man standing in America. Apparently, he's fighting the which the like quote unquote good why fight is that of like being something a man anyone in the household. Yeah, why why is that something we need that it's not? Uh, according to them, is because Roseanne had good ratings, but Last Man Standing <sighs> when it was on ABC was canceled because of poor ratings and so that's the thing is i remember um i was seeing all these articles about brooklyn 99 like save brooklyn 99 and like i guess i didn't realize how on the bubble it was it had always been on the bubble everyone every year was always talking about how it's never a surefire shot yeah but then it just kept getting renewed and renewed so like i wasn't really scared of it getting canceled because yeah it just seemed like one of those shows that like it might have been on the bubble but it had enough critical acclaim and enough like social media presence and like fan power and stuff that it would it would be saved every year and so i started seeing all the articles and i was like oh god like this seems more serious than usual yeah and then i got the news that it was canceled and i was devastated where were you when it happened i (laughs) i was at home i was just at home i was working um and someone as well sent me a link over facebook messenger and i was and like i had already gone through some heartbreak earlier this year when Ash vs. Evil Dead was announced oh, yeah. being the last, the final season. Um, and I hate that I don't have that show in my life anymore. And so then this happened and I was just like, why? I was so upset because it's, we're going to, the second half of this episode is going to be dedicated to talking about why Brooklyn Nine-Nine is so good and why it deserved to be saved. But I was just, you know, this was just one of those shows that every week I was so excited to watch it, like without fail. It was so good. It fulfilled the the place that Parks and Rec had when it was still online. Exactly. On, or on air, I should say. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I feel like that's because it's a Mike Shear show, or he helped create it. He doesn't show run it. Um, that now that it's on NBC, it's uh, like part of the big Shear universe. The Shear universe. Shear universe. So that's the thing. So 31 hours later, NBC announced that they were reviving Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They were saving it. Six season was going to be on NBC. And obviously we were all ecstatic. But it's also kind of one of those things where it's like Brooklyn Nine-Nine should have always been on NBC. Yeah, it really is more of an NBC show than a Fox show. Um, it's kind of like when Supergirl was on CBS for that first season and then it was switched over to CW. It's like now it's now it's where it needs to be. Exactly. And um, like, like Willoughby mentioned earlier, like NBC initially passed on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and sold it to Fox. And so they were like the, uh, they owned it, but Fox distributed it. And it's like, they were like, we, we regret that decision. And now we've like rectified it. And I'm like, yeah, good. You should have regretted that. But it's like every Mike Sure show has been on NBC because he worked on The Office and then there was Parks and Rec and now The Good Place. And 
now Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so it's like Mike Schur and NBC just need to stay together. Yeah. Like if you think about it in 2013, when I believe the show premiered, um, only, the office had just can had just been canceled like two years earlier or a year earlier. Uh, Parks and Rec was in its sixth season, um, beginning its seventh uh, the next year, and so like there had been been no real like there wasn't the powerhouse of Mike Schur that we kind of knew because the Good Place mm-hmm. hadn't been exi- hadn't existed yet. So now like people have a lot of uh, they have a lot of faith in Mike Schur as well as um, NBC for picking it up again. Because, like, if you remember, NBC has always also been a little cautious with their comedy. Um, yeah. And especially their comedy uh, that's, that's a little bit more out there. Um, like, Community. There was a huge fan, like, save Community thing every year as well. I feel like the last time, that was the last time NBC had gotten involved with, like, saving shows, mm-hmm. their, or I guess their own shows, besides Timeless, like, Every year we like because NBC always played yo-yo with community where it was like, yeah, it's going to premiere October 19th. And then it's like, oh, no, it's actually premiering March 15th. Yeah. Um, was, there was a lot of like hoopla about around. Was Chuck NBC? Chuck was also NBC. What? There was a huge there fan a, thing there with a pattern Chuck with NBC. Chuck was going to Chuck wasn't going to get us a, a third season. And then they did a subway campaign mm-hmm. to like buy I remember subway that. sandwiches to sell to save Chuck. And then NBC was like, sure, we'll give it a, a third season. It's going to be a reduced season. But then they picked it up for another eight episodes. And then they did the same thing for season four, where they, they, they gave it 14 episodes and then they aired, they gave it another eight, I think. And then, uh, the fine, and then f- the fifth and final season aired on Fridays, and it was only thirteen episodes. So like they had just been like, okay, fine, I'm just gonna give you the final season. So, so NBC just has like a pattern of like having these usually like genre shows, yeah, that are very beloved. Or they play with genre. Yeah, they play with they subvert. Are very beloved and then don't get good ratings, but like the fan fervor is so much that they keep them around and i just yeah it just feels like this is kind of like nbc's holding pattern with shows um yeah well that's this this is interesting because networks are really fascinating because their 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 way of renewing shows and stuff abc will give a a, their legal proceedings like their their like legal shows like their their shonda show is like almost like a a blank check well they should because Um, she's basically just making money for them all the time she's making money for them their their modern family is in its 20th season (sighs) um and the middle and uh, their the goldbergs and they're like they're focusing on like diverse family sitcoms and shonda shows um shonda rhymes who does like Grey's anatomy and how to get how to get away with murder and uh scandal and i feel like there was another one um but, uh, so, but, so they, like, they're more, they're easy, to, easier to, like, renew their shows. Yeah. CW will renew their shows, like, months Well, they have less pressure say, like, on here. them. They have less pre- pressure. And then Fox will straight up cancel a show after six episodes if it's not doing well in the ratings. Especially because they, ho- they have a lot of genre shows and they're expensive. And so if they're not getting the ratings they need to pay their advertisers and get their money back... Um, they're just gonna straight up cancel the show. That's and gonna can to we Firefly. just say, to a lot of shows. yeah? And can we just say for a moment, like, how dare the Fox executives try and blame Bob's Burgers for Brooklyn Nine Nine's cancellation? Like, do not pit your two best shows against one another, right? Like to save and, fucking and Tim yeah, Allen. 
Yeah, they saved Tim Allen. They canceled Brooklyn and Nine. They they let Seth MacFarlane have a season two of the Orville, um, and I'm guessing Family Guy is in his 37th season as well as The Simpsons in its 80th. Who knows? Um, so like, it's really fascinating to see like the way these networks handle their own shows, um, and if they're ready to cut off a limb. Yeah, at a, at a moment's agreed. Notice, if they're if the ratings aren't great, because like ratings. I mean, I guess they, they, the only people, the only thing that ratings do is say, is how many people are watching your ad, your advertiser, your ad, your ads. Yeah. Um, because nobody watches, like, everyone watches Brooklyn Nine on Hulu or they watch it on demand. They watch it, like, not live. Yeah. Um, I don't. And I felt like when they, when they, when they switched Brooklyn Nine Nine back to Sundays, I thought that was a hint that they were getting ready to drop Agreed. it. Um, cause it was on Tuesdays for a long time, along with New Girl. And New Girls had its its finale uh, this week too, and but they ha- they were given them a, a final season of eight episodes to like do, which was fine, um, and they had a good run seven seasons. That's pretty good um, for a sitcom for a hangout sitcom with where no little plot really happens. But Brooklyn Nine Nine is like a workplace sitcom. There's always something to to do, and it was really fascinating to see that they just said uh, screw it. We're cutting you off at after five seasons when they clearly weren't ready to go because like there's still still so much story to tell. There's so and, much like, story to tell in, in their lives. Like they were getting Jake and Amy are getting ready to be married in the finale tonight. We haven't watched it yet, but that's what they're promoting. Um, so NBC's picking it up for season six. I'm sure it'll be the same um, exact show, uh, just like. On a new network, yeah, and where it's uh, always because it's belonged. already owned by Universal Television. It, it you know, the set's going to be the same, the characters are going to be the same. I just hope they don't. I I like it when shows don't it because Brooklyn Nine Nine has never really been a meta show. They never really comment comment on themselves as a show. So I really hope they don't do that in like the first cold opening of the show where they're like something about a fox and a peacock. Like I kind of hope they just kind of go don't do yeah. that. Um. Because like that, that would work for community because that was their bread and butter. But I feel like for Brooklyn Nine Nine, it's better to just kind of keep. Yeah, it well, we'll see. I mean, the important thing is that Brooklyn Nine Nine was saved, and that it still exists. Yeah. Um, and let's get into why we're so happy that it was saved. So, Willoughby, what's your relationship with yes. Brooklyn Nine Nine? Why do you love it? Just give me, lay it on I've, me. I've. I've watched it from the get go. I was a senior in college during my, my, the first season of the show and I didn't really pay too much attention to it because I was kind of focused on college and focused on uh, parks and rec and other shows that are more, were more established. But when Andy Samberg won a golden globe for best actor in a comedy series and also Brooklyn nine, nine won best comedy series the same year, I was like, huh, I should probably take a, a look at this show again. So I did some rewatching. It was on Hulu. So I did like, I did start doing like a rewatch of earlier episodes that season. I was like, the show's really good. Um, and they had some weird characterizations with like Charles Boyle. Boyle, the first season was weird because he kind of was obsessed with Rosa and it was awkward. And, but then they moved past it. And I thought that was a smart move for the show. They moved past it in this, in the first season. They were like, no, we're, we're, we know. See, I was talking to someone about that and we were talking about whether or not the writers knew what they were doing with Charles from the get go. And we think that they did. We think that they wrote Charles purposely like that from the get go and always knew that he was going to be cool with Rosa not liking him back. And it was like the fans who were kind of unsure of Charles, but like, 
I think because we've seen that. Well, and before. I think because like um, at this point we trust Mike Sure with his characters, yeah. and like the writers that he chooses and the showrunners he chooses and like the team that he works with. Like Charles yeah. did weird me out at first, um, which is funny because I am very much a combination of Charles and Amy. Um, so, um, but then, yeah, but then he's totally cool with Rosa being like, I'm not into you. And like, it's totally fine. And like Charles ever since then has just become like, he's very effusive, but like, he's lovely and he's a good person and he cares about his friends. And, and he and Rosa are like best friends because they have such a close relationship now and like, they know a lot about each other. It's great. Um, and yeah, so like I watched the first season, I thought it was great. And then I got out of college and I was like, kind of looking for more shows to watch so i did a lot more i watched season two of brooklyn 99 because they left it on a really interesting uh cliffhanger and that's what i love about each season is like where are they going to go from here um and i lo- love the progression of jake peralta's character arc from being like i think i'm the badass cop to knowing i'm not the badass cop but, but striving to be like it became less of a uh, image control to more of like an actual character growth which i found very fascinating and i love like all the diverse characters and all the diverse actors and like the fact that this show actually you know looks like like a real police station you know like in terms of like who's employed there and i feel like it's also fascinating really cool that raymond holt is like a gay black cop who grew up like in the in the force with a lot of adversity and having and having to prove himself that he's just as good as anybody else in the force. And so uh, there's a lot of heart to this show and I really appreciate it and love it for that. Agreed. What about you, Anya? Where'd you, how'd you come into the show? So I came into the show a little bit late. I did not start watching it when it first aired. Um, I wasn't, you know, a full Mike Surehead yet. Sher, Sherniac. Sherbert. I wasn't a Mike Sherbert yet. <laughs> um, I like loved Parks and Rec, but um, I just didn't watch it for whatever reason, um, but I heard good things about it. And it was actually, um, my now girlfriend at the time was the one who like, was like, you need to watch the show. And she did it by linking me a scene of Amy and she was like, this is you. And the scene was when someone calls Amy a teacher's pet and Amy's response is people love their pets <laughs> because I am a total teacher's pet and I also love my pets. And people love their pets <laughs> and I am definitely an Amy. Um, and I was like, okay, okay. And I knew I loved parks and rec. Um, I was never a big office fan just cause I had never, I didn't really watched it. Um, and so I finally got on the Brooklyn and nine train and I've never looked back since I adore this show. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I think everything touched, everything Mike sure touches is gold. It's, it's like you said, it's a lot of heart. Like the one thing I've loved about Mike sure since the beginning is that his comedy never punches down except for maybe Jerry on Parks and Rec, but they realize their mistake and rectified it by giving him the best life. Yeah. Um, but like their comedy. And and they also, they did something similar with Brooklyn Nine-Nine where, in, where they have two characters that they make fun of, but they, the characters deserve it because they're kind of awful. Exactly. Whereas like Jerry was never awful. So he never deserved it. But Hitchcock and Scully, right. What I love about Hitchcock and Sully is that, like, they are awful, so they deserve it, but then they have these random moments of, like, where they shine. Yeah. Like, in a recent like episode they, like, where they help uh, Jake and Terry with the wedding gift bags, and they, like, do it as, like, an assembly line. Or, like, when... I always forget who's who. 
who was the one? It's a. I always forget. It, Hitchcock. Hitchcock is the. Uh, I believe the bald one. Okay, so Scully, when he helped Amy with like all the shredded pieces of paper, and he was able yeah. to quickly solve it. So like I love that like they're the worst, but they randomly have these moments of like being really good at like one specific thing. Right, they're terrible people, but like interestingly good detectives at very niche products. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but like they deserve being made fun of, unlike Jerry. Um, but Hitchcock is like a really terrible like womanizer, like yeah, like wouldn't do well in the Me Too movement sort of deal. <laughs> yeah, and Scully, you never know if he's talking about his dog or his wife. So oh, it's such a good joke. I love that cold open. <laughs> um. So like, but yeah, so Mike sure his comedy is always positive and there's so much heart to it and he's never like he's never using stereotypes to make fun of groups of people like other sitcoms out there do big bang theory the worst (laughs) also honestly modern family these days started out honestly watch like the first half of the first season so i really couldn't tell i like the first few seasons of modern family and now it's just very tired yeah they're not a modern family anymore no they're really not um and abc should start focusing on fresh off the boat and blackish more um anyway mike sure's comedy has never been about that it's always been about characters and their relationships and that's what makes it sore he will take these concepts like a brooklyn detective workplace comedy or a small government or the good place and the bad place and post-death and he takes these like concept these locations and he just puts really great characters in them and like that's why he's so great at what he does and that's why we love him and so brooklyn 99 so it has great characters do you have any favorites willoughby oh oh do i oh do I you love- I love all of them, but I feel like my favorites are uh, Amy, uh, Jake, and Terry. I feel like those are my three. And like, I love all the characters. Like, there's no one I don't like. Um, but it's hard to it's hard to pick your favorites. You know? Do you but even like, like Adrian definitely... Pimento? Oh, Pimento's really good. Pimento's as great. Character. I love Pimento. Uh, uh, Jason Manzuko is, is so good at being like a chaos agent. <laughs> Derek. He's he's brilliant in everything he does. He's been on all the all the Mike Sure shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he was ever on The Office because I don't think he was like a thing yet. A thing yet, yeah. Um, and that was also like more of a Greg Daniels show, I guess. Uh, Mike yeah. Sure was definitely involved as a writer and a producer, but uh, like he was it never wasn't the show his, it. right? Because if you think about it, The Office is kind of like like incredibly like a lot more sour than um yes the uh, other shows have been more sweet. Yes. But together, they, they're really good for Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> how did we get to this point? How did this, how did this, okay. So you really love Jake, Amy, and Terry. I agree that there's, it's really hard to pick, like, I don't know if I have a favorite character. Mm-hmm. I just love them all so much. And like, it's definitely one of those shows where like, better together than apart. Like, it's like any parks, any Mike Sure ensemble. Yeah. Like, you take them together. Um, I will say Rosa means a lot to me just in terms of representation. Oh, she yeah. came out as bisexual and like they weren't afraid to use the word bisexual. Yeah, she and... didn't say I don't like labels. She didn't say that. She's yeah. like, no, explicitly stating that I'm she's bisexual. bisexual. Because like bisexuality is not like a myth or whatever. And so now we have her and we have Holt. And so we have great representation. 
Um, I also love Jake and Amy and Terry and Charles and Holt is very special. I Andre Brower, where is his Emmy? I don't know. Where I, mean, he, I think he has an Emmy, but, but not, not for, for this. Not for this. And like, excuse me. Yeah. So you're gonna give it to like the Modern Family people and Jim Parsons over and over again, and nothing against them. Jim Parsons is brilliant, and he deserves so much more than The Big Bang Theory. I love him, mm-hmm. and like Ty Burrell is great and stuff. But like, excuse me, have you? Zinga. That's how I feel every time Andre Brower doesn't win the Emmy. Oh, like, no. Have you seen Captain Holt ever? One of my favorite bits is, do you remember the episode where they had, like, the whole, like, gambling investigation and, like, Holt's really good at it and he, like, is in Andy, uh, Jake's ear? Yeah. Right? And they're, like, talking about how, like, how you can tell someone's lying. Like, you can, they always have that, like, quirk. And the fact that Holtz is using contractions is the nerdiest, most Holt thing ever. It's so great. And, like, I rewatched the episode to see if I could catch it, and I did. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't even notice he never uses contractions until just now. Right? It's crazy. Or, like, when he, there's that one where he's, like, saying that people are awake and Jake is like, do you mean to say like they're woke? And he was like, yes, but that is grammatically like incoherent. I like the part. It was a recent episode where he was, he set up a Twitter account and it was like, it looked like it was a Twitter bot. Yes. Um, and, and Twitter had like, uh, blocked him for being a bot. And he's like, I'm a human being. <laughs> and also he has a Corgi named Cheddar. Oh my God. Cheddar is the best Corgi ever he really is other than the queen's corgis if you're listening to this queen elizabeth we also love your corgis yeah but cheddar is not some uh what was it what was the what's the quote uh, oh I, uh, where... I forget some common bitch yes <laughs> but using the dog version cheddar is wonderful word. and <laughs> and I think Holt and Kevin are really lovely together. Like I love oh, so the recent episode where Jake and Kevin had to be in the safe house together and they just ended up watching all these like Nick Cage movies and stuff. My favorite bit was at the very end when Jake oh, yeah. reveals to Kevin that like they didn't watch like Captain Corelli's mandolin or anything. And like Kevin's like, what? So Kevin's also great. And Holt and Kevin are Mark great. Mark Kevin Jackson is so good. <sighs> uh, he's also like a Mike Schur recurring uh, guest star. Yeah, he was on Parks as the lawyer. He was on. Uh, he's on The Good Place as uh, my uh, Ted Danson's boss, and now he's he's also on Brooklyn Nine Nine as uh, uh, Holt's husband, Kevin. Yeah, so I I really think that Holt is a very special. I think they're all wonderful, but I feel like Holt has this very special quality about him on the show. I don't know if it's because he's the leader or or what but like i just think holt is a really wonderful character andre brower is brilliant at the role i know people are always like i didn't realize andre brower could do comedy until brooklyn 99 and he's hysterical right like i lose it every time he says something i always love it because they like they try to put the most ridiculous phrases into his mouth and it comes out sounding like pure gold when he was the one he did recently where he was like yas queen (laughs) Oh yeah, 
I'm like, I, it's hilarious. Speaking speaking of Yas Queen, we haven't even talked about Gina Linetti. Gina Linetti. Where do you even start with Gina? I feel like my one scene that I always go back to that, like, for me, perfectly encapsulates Gina is when they're at that party and she ends up talking to all those, like, psychologists or something about, like, herself. Yeah. And they're all just, like, listening to her, like, rapt, like, studying her. And Rosa and Amy are just, like, watching this unfold. Like, what? And I'm like, that is Gina in a nutshell. Yeah. She's so good. She's so, like, a, you know, she she knows that she's not, a like, a police detective, but she knows that she's better than everyone in the room. Exactly. Um, and she is, like, because she's, like, in with everything. Like, she knows what's up with everything. She's very, she knows how to read the room. She's very attentive to everybody's, like, quirks. Like, she knows when someone's, like, not feeling good or feeling too good you know she tries to take them down a peg so like i and like her relationship with rosa and her relationship with amy are so are so like dynamic and complex and like because it's not all like because there's so many like women on the show you they're allowed to be different characters and be different people Mm -hmm. and i really like that they can interact and like they don't all like each other like gina really doesn't like amy a lot but secretly does but like can't show it it's very Um, much um Anne and April. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's very it's much. Very, very Anne and April. So. Um, if, um, if Anne was like Leslie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's so great. And I like that, um, like, uh, the, the show gives opportunity to, to tell stories that aren't told anywhere else. Like the fact that they were able to do a episode about police violence, uh, with Terry and like uh being mistaken for someone who's like trying to break into a car mm-hmm. or something um and the white cop was like held him up at gunpoint and was a racist and um they had a very it was a very probably one of the most dramatic episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah absolutely um, and they handled it really well because they had an African-American writer who came in and like or who he was already part of the show but he like took the reins on the episode he wrote the a plot for Terry to do this um, police violence episode and it it worked out really well because there's f- incredible conversations between Holt and Terry about what it means to be um, black in, in the police office um, police force um, and like to get where you need to go you have to be you know they think you're, you're not as good as they are and you have to prove that they are because of system systemic racism and so like there's a a lot to unpack in that one episode and i think they did Mm -hmm. a really great job in that Um, agreed and i want to i want to talk about terry and then they don't seem related but also jake and amy Mm -hmm. because i think terry and then jake and amy as a couple really show kind of how mike sure shines with his characters because he writes really well-rounded healthy depictions of characters so you have terry who was like a super masculine guy but very similar to terry cruz in real life he is very woke he's very in touch with his emotions he's very terry loves loves yogurt yogurt. terry loves yogurt and he's super aware of like toxic masculinity and like terry deffords is pretty much an extension of terry cruz yeah um and so you see how he takes this the stereotype 
of a male character and completely deconstructs it and takes a very healthy look at them. And you can also do the same with Jake and Amy's relationship. And Mike sure has always done this because you have Leslie and Ben and you have also Jeannie and Eleanor now. And he's just really good at showing that things don't have to all be like spite and drama and will they, won't they to have just like healthy character interactions that are still entertaining. Like we didn't need Jake and Amy to like wait to get together until the end. They like got together and they're still great both on their own and together. like, Like they had a great will they, won't they while it was happening, but it wasn't the finale of the show. It was the finale of season two, I think. It went Um, as long as it needed to, similar to Leslie and Ben. Yeah, like, obviously you can't just have your main love interests, like, immediately get together, and that's it. You have to kind of have some conflict, you know, just to, like, kind of, you know, like, to grow their characters, to get get them to be at the same level. I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, they weren't all... Like, you have to build your characters to get to the point where they can actually be romantically linked. Agreed. you can't and you have to do that organically and i think mike sure does that really organically and i feel like he does it really well he knows how to write romantic relationships that start out as friends that start out even for leslie and ben enemies um or at least more enemies in leslie's eyes more like annoying co-workers in ben's eyes or in Um, chidi and eleanor fake soulmates fake soulmates and the fact that you know like that like first of all that's a fan fiction uh, oh, totally like, trope is. of like the fake like we have to pretend to be dating sort of. Deal. Oh my god! Um, and they do even do that in Brooklyn Nine Nine. I feel that Mike Sure has read his fair share or written his fair share of fan fiction because there's a Mike lot of Mike Sure, or AKA Ken Tremendous, we're on to you. Yeah, like he does a lot of like there was a whole the whole like season finale where Jake and Amy got together. The whole uh episode they were pretending to be engaged to go on a, to like get involved with like the crooks or criminals that they were trying to investigate like that's clearly like that's something that people like would do like fan fiction that is tropey to an extreme yeah but he does it so well because it's fun he makes it fun i think that's the that's the the core of all these shows in particular brooklyn 99 is that he makes in all his writers dan gore and the rest of them they make it all fun agreed they make it great fun and again positive like you and i together are probably some of the least cynical people ever. Like you and I are just idealist optimists through and through. And that's Mike Schur's comedy. It's all positive and it's all like, it makes you feel good, but it's, it doesn't need to be mean or anything to like be funny. Right. It doesn't need to punch down at stereotypes. It doesn't need to, um, uh, change your character uh, from 20 years ago and make them a Trump supporter and uh, also like have them be a beloved Pixar character voice and then uh, ruin it all by uh, having it be a weird King of the Hill, not King of the Hill. Oh, what's, what's Tim Allen's other show? Uh, Home Improvement, oh. like be like a weird remix of t- Home Improvement or Kevin can wait in which you kill off the wife to bring back your other wife from your other show. So there's a this. shit ton of really, really shitty sitcoms out there right now. And so Brooklyn Nine-Nine uh, is a, 
above them all in the pantheon of amazing sitcoms. And if you honestly haven't checked out the show right now, what are you doing? You Stop need to. this episode. Go get a Hulu subscription if you don't and watch the show. There's yeah. over 100 episodes. It's so good. The 99th is so amazing. So perfect. Because so instead good. of celebrating 100, they celebrate 99. Because 99. 99. Um, and my girlfriend and I were in New York last week and or last year. And we were we were in Brooklyn. And every once in a while, we would just go 99. <laughs> Like That's we saw amazing. cops in Brooklyn and we were like, hi, nine. nine. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they get approached about that sometimes now. Um, Probably. Before we wrap up, I also just want to say one final one thing about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They have the best Halloween episodes. Fight me. They are oh, better than Treehouse of Terror. They're so good. The... I never want their Halloween heist to end. And I love that every year they've been they've had a different winner or different outcomes and that it's still always a heist, but you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And the fact that it, it was a heist for Amy's heart I at the end of it, uh, for the most recent one, that was how Jake, uh, proposed to Amy. It was... And it honestly like shook me to my core. I was like, Oh my God. Jake and Amy are a lot. Yeah. They're wonderful. Um, and I love that Holt was like, so no one won we have to remember, no one won this. Holt, see? He's so good. Holt, he's perfect. He gets so intense about the Halloween heists. It's so great because at first he's like, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deal with this," you know, like crazy shenanigans. And now he's like, that episode where he wakes, where Jake and Amy wake up, like, like at three a.m. and like in bed, and they turn on the lights, and Holt's already there, saying like, "Halloween!" <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so good. I love these shows, this show so much. And they have the best guest stars because you have like Bradley Whitford and you have, why do I want Jimmy Smits and the Sterling K. Brown episode. So wow, good. So, good. so like um, this. Sh- who else was on? Nick Offerman was on the show. Mm-hmm. He, he played an ex-boyfriend of Holtz. Amazing. Yeah. So good. I just, um, there's nothing negative about the show at all. No. It's, it's a perfect show. You know what? You know what I'll say. The negative thing is, there's not more of it. Agreed. But soon. I wish there was. I wish there had already been like three more seasons because I could always. I can go for three more seasons. I think. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, give me that full Friends, ten season show. I want it. Mm-hmm. I want it. Which is great because NBC for a while had kicked off, had like got rid of all their comedies and like they weren't going to do comedy. And now they're back because now Superstore is on and Superstore is actually really great. I don't know if you've watched it. I've heard really good things about Superstore. It, it's like so um, it's it's not a Mike Sure show, but it feels like one because it's all about like it's a workplace comedy. It's got a romantic entanglement at the begin at the core of it. But there's also like incredible, incredible uh uh, ensemble cast um a, like the boss is kind of dopey but he's like good-hearted and everyone and like uh it's really cool yeah and they also have the good place um did NBC do trial and error yeah that's them too it's a uh, i haven't my mom watched the show but i never did because i've heard too, really good things about it i've heard i've heard, i've seen some of it i'm like this looks like a more annoying or like an annoying version of parks and rec and like, so that's the thing is like that's what I thought at first, and then Lin Manuel Miranda said he loved it, and so. Ah. Um, but and then they have that. Um, their Will and Grace revival is not very good. Just gonna go on the record and say that. Um, it's not great, but I agree. I'm glad they're getting back to their comedy roots because that's what I really loved them for for the longest time. Between like Friends, and they also had Thirty Rock, and 
I they when they had Parks and Rec in the office. So like I really love them, their comedy block, and I'm glad they're getting back to that. Yeah, and um, like they also have all their procedurals and stuff that um are fine. You know, people people love Law and Order and the Chicago Med and Chicago Law and Chicago Doctor, Chicago Veterinarian, like the whole Chicago universe. <laughs> Chicago therapist. Chicago therapist. Chicago mental health. Um, <laughs> Chicago dentist. Oh my god. That would okay. That sounds like a horror show. Oh yeah, that's not great. Um, no, but yeah. Mm. So everybody, go watch Brooklyn and Nine. This is the rave review of the show. Exactly, um, and I think that's a great way to end our discussion of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Thank you, NBC. Thank you, Mike Schur. Thank you to this whole cast. We love all of you. Um, and let's move on to our last segment of the episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. So, Willoughby. Yeah. What are you liking? I downloaded a video game on Thursday. It's called God of War. And before you ask, no, it's not the PlayStation 2 game from 2005. It's (laughs) the latest incarnation of God of War franchise called God of War. It follows the main character from the previous, like, trilogy of games, Kratos, as he is now a... Uh, a father to a son. His name is Atreus. Um, he is living in what is assumingly uh, Scandinavia, Norway. It's very Norwegian. Um, and instead of Greek mythology, the video game is about Norse mythology. He's moved on from Greeks because this is a major spoiler alert for the 10 decade old uh, uh, trilogy. Uh, Kratos kills all the gods and titans in Greece. And so there's Excuse no more me, of them. What? He was the god of war and just said, screw it. I'm, he's getting his revenge on Wait, everybody. that's Ares. He killed Ares. And? He killed everybody. Zeus is his father. He killed him. It's a whole deal. Um, oh so my he's god. Moved on. He's moved down now to uh, Norse mythology, so you know where that's all going. Um, Ragnarok? Have, sorry? Ragnarok? Probably. Um, um, they've... they've They've briefly mentioned Ragnarok, um, and they've but they also talk about Thor a lot. So I'm guessing he's going to show up at some point. Um, Baldor has also shown up. Um, has Loki uh, shown up? Sorry. Has Loki shown up? No, I thought I thought I was fighting Loki, but I, it turns out I'm fa- I'm fighting Bald. I was fighting Baldur. Um, and so uh, he, it's just such a great video game. I want to talk about the gameplay real quick because what happens is that it's not like a your normal video game where you have in, you have individual cutscenes and then gameplay. They mix the two so well with this long tracking shot. They have not cut away. I've played this game for like maybe a combination of like 10 hours at this point. It is one continuous take. It feels like a Lubezki film and I'm so thriving right now because first of all, I love long take movies where yes. they, they just do like long takes of things and the way that you can maneuver the camera to like tell a, a whole story with one one camera and never mm-hmm. cutting away and they do it so well and they also but they also mix the cinematic with the gameplay in such a w- way that would never be possible probably not even five years ago in in terms of like graphics on video games because the cutscenes have always been historically in video games like a lot more detailed and better than the actual gameplay and i feel like now we're at a point where gameplay and cinema cinematic uh motion capture has hit hit a like a plateau of the same level and i'm so very excited to play this game more um 
he has an axe that acts like Mjolnir where you can throw it and it <laughs> returns to you. And it's very fun. It's very great. Um, and they really start, they've really started to dive deep into like Norse myth and mythology. I and love like it. The nine realms and Yggdrasil, the, the world tree and like runes and you have to solve puzzles by unlocking runes and like destroying treasure boxes and stuff. Um, and there's a giant mountain in which the, the the goal of Kratos and his son is to spread his mother's ashes over the top of the nine realms, which is on top of this mountain. And to get to the mountain, you have to go to, through different worlds to like uh, unlock like doors on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, right now I'm I'm in the I'm in Alfheim, which is the land of the elves, and I'm trying to get the light to bring it back to the to the mountain to st- to open like a door. And it's really awesome. And the on the shape of the mountain, there's like a face of Odin or, you know, someone's face. It's probably Odin's. Um, and uh, I met the world serpent. I met uh, the world serpent. He was just like, he was just chilling. And he was like, I, he's like, hey, what's up? I was like, no, much. Um, That's so the, the game is very good. I very, very much recommend it for anybody who loves the God of War series, Norse mythology, uh, good storytelling. Um, and, um, if you want to be my friend, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds great. If, um, if the day I get back into gaming, I will be sure to check that out. Um, all right. So HG's not here to reprimand me. So I have two. Um, but they are, they're not related, but I'm going to keep with the TV theme. Um, and have you ever had times where you're like not super into TV? Like lately I've just been running to watch movies. And I haven't really been in like a TV mood. Yeah, that happens to me every time I stop binging a show and I finish one. I just finished Superstore, so now I'm like, I'm like kind of like wandering around. Yeah, like, and I, I wanna just want to watch like just like a contained story. So I've been watching a lot of movies lately, which are great. Sure. But then this, yeah. uh, but then lately I've been watching some TV, and it's getting me back into that serialized storytelling. And so two, I'm loving right now. The <gasps> first is Disney's new iteration of DuckTales. Oh! It's delightful. It's so good. The voice cast is incredible. Uh, the twin, the triplets, are played by Bobby Moynihan, formerly of SNL, uh, Ben Schwartz, formerly of Parks and Rec, and why am I forgetting his name? Abed. Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi. So there are the triplets. David Tennant plays Scrooge. Uh, Beck That's Bennett incredible. from SNL plays Launchpad. Lin-Manuel Miranda was just in an episode as Gizmoduck. Um, it's just so much fun. The animation is so cute. They're introducing like arcs in their storytelling, which is really fun. And I've always loved DuckTales. I love the original. Has one of the best theme songs ever. And I'm just digging the new DuckTales so much. And then the other one is I'm finally watching The Bold Type, Freeform's show about young women working at a women's magazine. Um, it's kind of ironic that I haven't started it yet until just now because I also work in journalism and I'm writing my thesis on Teen Vogue. And so it's kind of like very up my alley and I've been meaning to watch it. And I just haven't. And now I finally am. And it's great. It's so good. It's diverse and it's super feminist and wonderful and funny and it's all about publishing which I love and I'm just really digging the bold type it comes back for season two in June and I can't wait and 
I'm just happy that I got some good TB and I'm feeling TB again, you know? Yeah. Feeling back in it. It's good. It's good. Cool. So those are my early likes. And that is our episode for the week. So if you guys have any thoughts on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, DuckTales, the bold type, or if you're into video games lately and playing God of War, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on uh, Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're also on SoundCloud, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. And also on iTunes and Google Play, you can do the same. Where can they find you, Anya? You can find me, at Anya Crittenton, on Twitter. And you can find me, at Willoughby Dobbs, on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.